Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There it is, Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the clubhouse. Ah, yes. G'day, everyone. Welcome to the Clubhouse. Great to have your company right across Australia. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you, talking all things golf for the next hour or so. Mark Allen is here in the studio. Hey, Marco. G'day, Jules. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well, You mate. played Royal Melbourne on the weekend. I did play Royal Melbourne on the weekend. I want to hear about that experience. It's a great experience. Yes. It's a beautiful place. Yes. Oh, it's impressive. Yeah, it's a great experience. Oh, yes. you can talk to me about that in the tick. Yep. Can I just say, yeah. Bernard Langer won... The Senior Open Championship, oh. and he won it basically anchoring, and we're not going to talk about it That's because it. I'm sick of it, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yep. The RNA are a disgrace. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rules that they brought in place are pathetic, mm-hmm. and I, I'm happy saying that Bernard Langer is simply, he's not, the, the spirit in which the rule was written, he just doesn't care about, and he's found a loophole, and he's using it. And it's disgusting. And that's all I want to say about that. That's more than I thought you were going to say. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> I can't go on and on and on forever. Yep. It's just pathetic. There you go. There that'll you do. Go. But plenty that'll to do. get through. Uh, Rory McIlroy's ditched his caddy. We're going to talk about caddies yeah, and JP what they gone. do. So we'll get to that. Uh, Adam Scott's going to miss a few weeks. His, uh, his beautiful wife is pregnant, Marco. So uh, he'll miss a couple of big tournaments. Yeah, uh, that's right. Adam Scott. That's right. And fair enough, too. Second child, I think, on the way. That's right. Um, so good luck to him, mate. Good and luck. And after my little experience at Royal Melbourne, Marco, yes, we're going to name two lists today. Two, we got two, two lists. lists, and you're going to do them. Yeah, right we're going to do one the drive-in experience, like when you first rock up at a golf club. Yeah, the jaw so dropping, the jaw dropping moments. This is based on driving into Royal Melbourne, which is a beautiful experience. That's it. Yeah, it is. And also the top five clubhouses in Australia because oh, there's yeah, a pretty right nice right little yeah. setup in there. Oh, I didn't mind it. I love theirs, yeah. mate. There's a, look, the drive-in and their clubhouse will make both lists. Yep. I can promise. Okay, so that's coming up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yes, I'm looking forward to it now. Did you hear Rory McIlroy and his explanation this week? I did. Yes. I did. What do you make of it? Um, I, should we should we play it? Yeah, let's say. Well, before we get it, before we talk about it, let's take a listen. Rory McIlroy this week ahead of Bridgestone, um, yep. front of the media, and, and spoke about how he and his longtime caddy JP Fitzgerald um, have split and yep. parted ways. This is the caddy who he had on the bag in his four major victories. That's right. Uh, apparently, great friends. Yep. But I think have a listen to the expl- explanation, and it, it says a lot here. It's a big change, um, JP has been a huge part of my life for the last decade. You know, we, we started in July 2008 um, and went all the way up until Ju- July this year. And a lot of great times, a lot of, a lot of great times on and off the golf course. I mean, I still consider JP one of my best friends, one of my closest friends. Um, but sometimes to preserve a personal relationship, you might have to sacrifice a professional one. And that was sort of the decision that I that I came to in the end. Um, you know, I was, you know, I, I was getting very hard on him on the golf course, um, and I didn't want to treat someone that I, like, I don't want to treat anyone like that, but sometimes this, this game drives you to that. Um, but, you know, I just, 
I felt like it was the right thing to do. Um, and I don't think there was any good time to do it. It's, it was, you know, it was a really tough decision to make. Um, but I thought, you know, I'm coming to Firestone. I have four tournament rounds to either get to know someone or get used to having someone else on my bag going into the last major of the year. Jeez, I, I thank JP for everything. JP knows how much I think of him, how much he means to me, um, what we've achieved together. Um, and it wasn't an easy decision, but at the end of the day, I felt like it was a change that I needed to make because I'd much rather be angry at myself and angry at myself for making a wrong decision than, than, than being angry at him. Um, and, and that was really why. So like, there's nothing to say that JP mightn't work for me again at some point, but you know, right now, you know, I, I just felt like I needed a, a little bit of a change. And like, I hate the, the term fired or sacked or axed because that's definitely not what it was. You know, I just changed my path a little bit, but you know, maybe in the future that path might come back to that, you know, come back to where it was. But right now I just needed to, to mix things up a little bit and, and JP understood that and, and we're still all good. There is Marco. Rory McIlroy explaining why he and caddy JP Fitzgerald have mm. parted ways. What did you make of what he said? Well, JP probably wouldn't mind getting screamed at to make a million bucks a year caddying. <laughs> so that, that's one thing. Yeah. So it tells me that one, one he does consider him a, a very good friend because... You know, sometimes you do get crook at the caddy. You, you get a little bit too comfortable. Yeah. And it is disgusting. Some of the treatment by some players, the way they treat their caddy, it's disgusting. Yeah. And to be honest, I think Rory McIlroy, his heart is the right place. He's probably played on tour enough to know that when you see another professional really going hard at their caddy, and particularly when it's probably, you know, yeah, when you have a chat with a caddy, if you're my caddy and you say it's a six iron, and I'm thinking, no, it's a seven, but you sell me hitting the six iron, mm. well, I don't want you to ever stop telling me what you really believe. Yep. So if you got it wrong, the thing is of, you know, your judgment, you've sold me, so I'm on board. I can't get angry at you, you know, if you've sold me. If, you, if your logic was right and it sold me, then I can't get crooked no. you. There's no way in the world. So, you know, it's a team decision. And that's the thing that is hard when you're a professional golfer, when you see another team mm -hmm. and it's just cracked. Yeah, It's just really bad. And, you know, th th there's stacks. I, should I name a few? Yeah. Robert Ellenby was disgusting to his caddies. Yeah. Absolutely disgusting. I had it on how he was going to be on your list. <laughs> Here's another one that you won't believe. Yeah. Ernie Els. Really? Disgusting. Big easy. Oh, he used to go through the caddy like like you would not believe. Yeah. Some feedback on Ernie yeah. Els later on. So yeah. I'll get okay. Good. On that. The shark. Pretty shark. cruel. Yeah. Pretty bad. Really. Pretty bad on the caddy. Mm -hmm. So it, it's an ugly situation, and if you feel like you're now at, in a place where you are slagging off your caddy merciful, mercilessly, <laughs> yep, then you, you do as a human being want to get out of that situation. That's now, right. like I said before, JP, when, when Rory McIlroy, when he won the FedEx Cup uh, title, he also won the um, Race to Dubai title that year. A nice little bonus. A bonus of $1 million That's right. went in because Rory got an $11 million bonus and yep. JP, he got a $1 million bonus. So 
I wouldn't mind being ragged out every once in a while. <laughs> You're copping a good spray for a million. If I'm a, if my if catting is my chosen life and I'm yep. catting for someone like Rory, mm-hmm. I could probably deal with it. Yeah. But I think it's probably what Rory is saying is that he can't deal with it as a human, which yep. makes me think he's a he's a sensational bloke, a sensational type of fella. I wouldn't be surprised if they get back together. Yep. Well, he hasn't ruled it out, Marco. He when asked about who his caddy was going to be, it's his. Uh, one of his good mates, who's the best man in his wedding, yeah. he's going to caddy for him. Well, he's caddying for him this week. Yeah. And he said he may, might yeah. caddy for me going forward. But then he said, we also may get together again back down yeah. the track. So, yeah, so that might happen. Yeah. And I mean, the interesting thing about the Open, Marco, mm. was that how much praise JP got for what he said to Rory to yeah. turn his game around. Well, that's right. So let's go back to that first round. Rory McIlroy was five over after six holes. That's right. Managed to play the last 12 holes, four under par. Mm-hmm. And had a chance of winning, had a slight chance in the end of winning. He like after six holes, he was going to miss the cut, and there was going to be what his fourth cut in five tournaments. That's right. And I think he just kind of looked at him after the after making the fifth bogey and said, "What are you doing? You're Rory McIlroy." Uh, and somehow, you know, that, that got him to, yep. to, to trigger him something. There's a great story about it's a story that I've always been told about when Steve Williams was caddying for Greg Norman, mm-hmm. and Greg Norman was playing in Japan, probably on appearance money. And Greg's gone out in 40. So they hit off in the morning, first round. They probably had Greg all set to play off the first tee on the third day. And, you know, Greg was going to be a big part of the tournament. So after the 40 on the front nine, uh, Stevie Williams, as they walked past the pro shop, said, why don't you go in and pay your green fees, you big (laughs) sook? Or words to that effect. Um, The shark shot 30 on the back. So he shot 40, (laughs) 30. Then something like 66, 66, 68 or something on the way, won the tournament. Not long after, sacked him. Yeah. Sacked him not long after. There's a story in Stevie's book that, you know, there was a par four and Jumbo went one way and he went another way. Um, and, you know, he had a bad drive and he didn't know the yardage and he had to step it out. And Stevie reckons that Greg sacked him because he didn't know that yardage, you know, way out west. <laughs> you know, didn't know it. You know, he should have known that yard, But it was, you know, impossible in Steve's book. But I think it's more the other way. After the green fee. Yeah, the green fee sounds more like yep. it. Yep. Go and pay your green fees, you big sort. <laughs> Greg didn't like that. How did you go with your caddies? Won the, the tournament, years, by the way. You have a good relationship? Well, look, it's, it, it's, it's funny because, because I'm, I'm trying to squeeze every single drop out of my lemon. Yeah. <laughs> um, then I, I, I realized very quickly that your caddy was your best, your only ally out yeah. there. So I was very much, I felt like we were a team. Yep. And, and that's the best way to be. Mm. And the best caddy player combination, it really is, it's a team environment. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, you know, you, you bring him in and you pay him extra and you, you look after him because he's your teammate. Yeah, and he's on your side. He's on your side. Yeah. Where some of the guys who are making stacks of cash, um, they probably didn't realize that as much, you know, and they, they you know, they might have, they might have played early with Greg Norman and, and saw how Greg treated his caddies. Well, they might have, you know, played with some South African characters and saw how the South African guys treated their caddy. Yep. Uh, so, so they might have had a look in that way and, and treated them poorly, but you, you just can't, you can't do it. You can't do it if you're on the way up. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so happy to hear that Rory has the same attitude because it's very important. Yeah. Now, there are, horror, there are horror stories where, you know, a caddy had his, you know, holding up a bag, had his hand on top and the player hits a bad shot and comes back and slams the five iron down, breaks the caddy's fingers, not finger, fingers. 
Now, Robert Ellenby, you know, he went through a stack of caddies. Blokes were dropping bags because yeah. of the treatment. That's yeah. That happened recently, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Look, I, I, remember, I remember playing with Robert. We were in the last group in the third round of the Johnny Walker Classic in 1992 at Royal Melbourne. Uh-huh. So, Ellenby shot 68-66 at Royal to be leading. And I shot 70-66 and I was coming second, two shots behind. And it was a really windy day. And he put on an exhibition hitting that I've never... I think he shot 66 again. And it was like his ball wasn't touched by the wind. I shot 76. Yeah. And I was out of the tournament, you know, finished nowhere. But that day, he treated his caddy so poorly, I was horrified. Horrified. Yeah. And he hit the ball like a dream. <laughs> but, you know, he was dropping day. clubs and mm. making the caddy pick it up. And Horrible. just just the garbage that you just don't want to see. Nah. You don't want to see. But, you know... Each, each to their own. He was a much more successful Whatever player works, than I, I ever guess. was. Whatever works. Um, but still, that you know, that when you see it and you hear the stories, know that they're true. Yeah. Know that they I, are true. I look at the relationship that Jordan Spieth has with his caddy. Oh, beautiful. And I look at him and go, they're clearly just good mates. Yeah. Having a good time. Yeah. They're chest bumping after he holes yeah. out from a bunker. Yeah, well, it's, it's you know, fun. He's, he's throwing the rake when he wins. <laughs> like You could imagine, great. like you can imagine it. the blokes that you share an office with here at Croc Media. You, you, you can imagine you're in that room with them a lot. Yeah. Imagine flying with them everywhere. Yeah. Kind of half staying with them and spending 10 hours a day next to each other on a golf course every day. Going highs, lows, highs, mm. lows. You got to make it fun. Yep. There's got to be a team aspect to it, and you know, even though, like we we touched on this before, even though JP's going to lose some cash and probably, you know, he may not pick up a bag straight away. Rory McIlroy wants to be a good human being. Yep. Uh, and unfortunately, that means that JP's going to miss out on some mm-hmm. cash, especially the big ones like this one this week, Wee. the Bridgestone. It's Ooh. a big, WGC. big, big event. Yep. Can I tell you my one and only story, one of my favourite stories from the Bridgestone years ago? Yeah. Uh, Jose Marie Alathabal won this tournament once by about 15 shots. And he famously, <laughs> he had a one iron in the bag. You have to hit the ball really straight uh, at Firestone Country Club. Uh, fun- funnily enough, it's the tyre maker. And they were so big and so successful that they just made a couple of courses and made their own country club for the people in that area. I think it's Ohio. So that's that's how it all started. That's why it's known as Firestone Country Club after the tyres, the very famous tyres. Um, super long and straight, and they triggered up for the for the tournament. So Alathabel had this 41-inch or 42-inch driving iron, one iron, and he won by 15 shots. So 61. Greg Norman was playing, and Mike Howard was also playing. Mm-hmm. You, might, you might have seen Mike Howard in a few of the old movies because he came second to Ian Baker Finch in the 1991 Open Championship at Royal Birkdale. Mike, big tall guy, didn't hit the ball anywhere. Yeah, didn't hit it anywhere. Now, when this tournament was played, it's like back in the nineties. When people were hitting shots, the crowd used to yell, "You the man, you the man!" Like yeah, they man. all went ballistic. Anyway, the Greg Norman's playing with Mike Howard, and they're no, they're nowhere in the field. And the first and the tenth holes were basically next to each other, so. Greg and Mike got to the 10th tee when Alathabel was about to hit off. So there are people everywhere. Everyone wants to see this Spanish kid, this young Spanish kid, walking in the shadow and the footsteps of Seve Ballesteros and watch this kid play the most amazing golf that they'd ever seen at Firestone. So the crowd was enormous. But the idiots got their chance with Greg Norman. So Greg Norman had the honour, gets up and just goes... It's this massive 300-yard drive, and the crowd all at once, 
you're a man, went crazy. Mike Harwood gets up, tees his, pegs his ball up, yeah. gets over it, has a few funny looking actions and hit his little popcorn drive <laughs> off the tee. And nobody said anything until finally one Yahoo in the crowd goes, and you're playing with the man. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old hearts. <laughs> Poor old Mike Harwood. He's going to cop it. He just had to cop it, mate. Walk down the fairway. I love those stories. How good. I love those How stories. Good. Anyway. Good. I like it. So it's been interesting watching it. You know, different different tournament this week. Yep. It's been interesting watching it as well. Just watching the players, you know, just try and walk basically single file down the fairways. Yes. The fairways are so tight. Yep. So um, can't wait for Monday morning. See what happens. Uh, speaking of um, Ernie Els a little bit earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. Good. Tell now, me. You gave a tip out of the people in the bunker. Yeah, yeah. A few weeks back, uh, regular listeners of the yeah, show. Yeah, trying to make the ball spin to the right. And you said that when you're playing your shot, yep. you say Ernie Els as you're hitting it. That's right. That's for your rhythm. That's right. So you stand up over the ball and you've got to say it out loud, just mm-hmm. like, just softly, Ernie. And then you get to the top, Els. That's right. When you're on the way through. Old mate Jared on Facebook. Marco, thanks for the Ernie Els tip out of the bunker the other week. Oh, nice. Been using it. And can I say I've been getting out of bunkers much better. Just got to say it out loud, just in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, the reason it works well in bunkers as well is because most people in bunkers have a really short backswing. Because yep. when you're in a greenside bunker, you don't have to go very far to get to the hole, do you? I mean, it's that's usually right. just 25, 30 feet away. So what people do in bunkers, just in case you've just joined us for the first time, because it's only a short shot, you take a short swing. Mm-hmm. And when you take the short swing, you can't go underneath all the sand and actually get the ball out. Then you try and hit it a little bit thinner. And then the ball, of course, goes across the green. That's so right. Ernie L's in the bunkers makes you take a longer swing. We're going to get to a break, Marco. Plenty more still to come. We're going to talk about golf experiences when you walk yeah. into a course. Is that the best drive through next? Yep. Righto. That's next. Stick around on the clubhouse. Welcome back. It is the Clubhouse right around Australia. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you. Uh, you want to podcast the show, just search for the Clubhouse Golf Show on iTunes. You can subscribe to it each and every week. Get all the latest tips and news from Mark Allen. What time does it normally come out? Uh, Saturday morning. Yeah, some people thing. miss it coming to their game of golf on Saturday morning. So if you do podcast it, you can still listen to it. Exactly right. Commercial free. Commercial free. No ad breaks. Uh, that's right. Now, now the reason we're doing this list of the greatest <laughs> ever drive-throughs yes. is because of your Royal Melbourne experience. So, be f- I mean, clearly Royal Melbourne yeah. you know, driving down Cheltenham Road is going to be part of it. But, <laughs> but, how'd you play? What what'd you do? Um, played okay. Played okay. Yeah. But um, oh, the, the experience in itself, Mark. It's yeah. just it literally. Well, normally when I'm driving down that street. Yeah, Cheltenham Road. I'm turning left into Sandy. Uh, Sandy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice to turn right. It's nice to turn right yeah. into there and uh, go next door to uh, Toronto. I played the West Course. It was nice. Second time I played there. It's um, the number eight golf course in the whole world. That's think. right. Um, which is ridiculous because they've got a composite course there that's actually twice as good as the West. Yeah. Which means that if you played, you played twelve holes mm. of a top three golf course in the world. Yeah. In my view. Yeah. Anyway, That's right. a different story. But yeah, you played the West. Yes, played the West. Um, Off the so, first, nice little friendly start. Uh, yeah, went right, which yeah. wasn't ideal. Did you? But found it and then got on and I think I made bogey on the first. Yeah, bit. right. Anyway, um, yes, yeah, so I got there and had a hit in the little driving range off the mats, which okay. was nice. What do you think then, of the bunkering? Just the beauty of oh, the bunkering. Man, it's sensational. Now, there is a, there's a two hole, um, two holes in a row. I can't, I'm trying to think which ones it is. The par three, yeah. beautiful, that 
famous par three. With a dip in the front. That's right. Yes, yeah, the fifth. The fifth. And then and the, the sixth. sixth. Oh, sensational. Mate. Sixth is one of the fa- my favourite holes in the whole world. Yep. And the fifth, arguably the best par three in the country. Yep. He actually, he actually played the 16th there too when he crossed the road. He crossed the road in the West Course, yep. I think just once or twice. He, there's one paddock to the next. Mm-hmm. The 16th hole is probably the best long par three in the world. Yes. It's about 230 right. yards, so 210 yep. metres. Yep. But it's on such a big block of land oh. and it just everything feels right. It's got a tiny little green as well. It's just yeah. it's a beautiful hole. Yep. And I uh, noticed the 15th, yep. I think it is, um, yep. the long par five. Um, yeah, so going along there, and I noticed that they've bought a block of land hmm. behind the tee. They bought a house. Just to extend yeah. back maybe 20 metres. Yeah. That's where they're at. Would have been a $2 million <laughs> block to extend the par five by 30 metres. Well done, the Royal Melbourne. Yep. Now, look, there's some fantastic stories at Royal Melbourne. Now, before we go any further, what did you think about the Legend Cooch Fairways? Yeah. I so that's a no good. Yeah. Before you go any further. Well, I thought that they were good, but I found that last time I played there, which was in summer. Yeah. I found that fairways were much better. Right. Than yeah. they were in the middle of winter right yeah. now, which obviously is going to be the same at most golf courses no. around the country. That's the only knock I've got on the whole place. Yeah. I mean, I, that, when, when the greens get too hard, it's a bit silly. Um, but the Legend Cooch fairways, in my view, just in my view, haven't worked. They mm. need to fix them for it to be you know as outstanding as it should be. Yep. But I think if the people came around now and just, uh, well, not now, if they came around in spring, right before Chrissy or even, you know, January, and played on those fairways, the, the fairways would detract because they're garbage. Legend Cooch is garbage. I mean, it should be a base for something. Maybe, you know, I don't know. It, we're, it's probably too hot a climate for us to use a fescue um, sewn in on top because yeah. we've got fescue fringes. It's unusual, you know. They've got tees of a grass. I think mm-hmm. it's Cooch grass these days. Um, then they've got the rough, then they've got the legend cooch fairways, then they've got the fescue fringes, and then they've got mm. their pencross or whatever their greens are. Uh, Sutton mix is what they, they, their greens are. The Sutton mix are bent. It's called Sutton mix. It's a lot of grasses. Yeah. It's a lot of grasses. Yeah, I found that one of the most difficult things for me, Marco, was when I was just off the green mm. and playing at courses that I normally would play at. You, if you're 15 metres off the green, you can't really putt. Yeah. you're going off a, a fair bit of the fairway yeah. and the rough and whatnot. Yeah. But so you, you get your lock wedge out or whatever you play and, and yeah. you try and get up and down. But when you're 15 metres off the green here. On their fescue it's fringes. It's so smooth. Yeah, just you kind of think, well, I've got to putt. But then yeah. I'm not. It's a whole different ball it. game from putting from 20 to 30 metres yeah. off the green, yeah. which is something that I haven't done a lot of. And Yeah. Well, on the practice, on, we mentioned this the other day about warm up. If you had 25 yes. minutes for your warm up, what's the perfect warm up for 25 minutes? Putting from off the green is a good one. Mm. If, if you haven't, if you don't practice your chipping um, and it looks like the option is available to you to putt from off the greens, then practice that. Yep. Roll a few. I mean, always putt, always try and hold the short ones. But if you get an opportunity, uh, and there's not a garden bed around the practice fairway, uh, around the practice green, then roll a few from, you know, 10, 20 feet off because it's different wherever you go. Mm. And like Royal Melbourne, like we're talking about, it's a fescue grass onto a, a pencross, really quick, hard surface. So that's going to be very different from putting at Sailor's Kingston Heath just from um, uh, their cooch mm-hmm. uh, to, it's just a winter cooch, to uh, their bent green. So you, you should just try and do it. I mean, it doesn't mean much, yep. but if you stuff the first one up that's messes with your head for the rest of the day yeah if you get the first one nice and close the confidence is up it's like anything yeah 
It's like anything. It's like a footballer kicking that first goal. That's right. Or a putter, you know, a golfer on the first green and they hole an eight-footer. Changes your day. If you That first putt from off the green, if you do it right, you're away. Yep. You feel like you've got it. And if you feel like you've got it, you, you probably do. Mm. You probably do. Yep. Now, so the overall experience, Marco? Yes. Tick. tick. Big tick. Yeah. I and mean, you're never going to, if it's across your hard Marco, yeah. I think. All right. So, so but what I want to know from you, because yes. you've played everywhere around the world, you've been to some of the best golf courses yeah. and seen things. I want to know the best five first up when you just roll into a course. When you roll in. And you go, jaw drop, wow, oh my God. The roll in. Joint. Right. Yep. All right. So we'll start at number five. Yep. For the rolling of golf courses. Uh-huh. Now, this one is an unusual one because you know you're going to somewhere special. You're going to one of the best in the world. See, the one or two every single year. Mm-hmm. But the roll-up is so crap that it just doesn't make sense <laughs> that you're turning up at Pine Valley. Pine Valley. It feels like you're in the middle of suburbia, just outside of Pennsylvania. Yep. You couldn't even imagine the golf courses there, but you know... You know, you've polished your shoes up. The clubs don't have one bit of dirt. You go in the Pine <laughs> Valley to play, and you just can't. You're still excited. Yeah. But the roll-up, you wouldn't even know the golf course is there, so it's kind of a backwards <laughs> tick for Pine Valley. Oh, well, good. It's so understated. It's so ridiculously nothing that it's something. Nice. Number four, New South Wales Golf Club in La Perouse. You're just curling around. Mm-hmm. You get up to the top. You open up. Just magnificent. One nice. of the greats. One of the nice. best experiences in this country. Yep. Royal Melbourne, like Ooh, you said. Number three. So many of us have turned right or left the wrong way. <laughs> when you go down Cheltenham Road and you get to turn left or right the right way yep. and you go through past the tennis courts and past the oh. little croquet That's venue <laughs> and there's a little rot- rotary hoe, just one little thing there. And if you read the plaque, it said this is what the golf course was carved out with. You see the pro shop. You see the big... Uh, it's just magnificent. The clubhouse, only about 15 years old. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's been there yeah, for 150 years. Yeah. They've done such a great job. Then you, you drift around the car park and you see the driving range and just mm-hmm. the people hitting and you just can't wait to get out of the yep. car <laughs> and get rolling. So that's number three. Yep. The old course at St. Andrews. Ooh. There's not really a, a roll-up. You know, Normally you stay in the St. Andrews town and it's more of a walk-up. Right. And then you go past the Dunvegan Hotel on the corner. And you turn around that corner and you can see the old clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And you can see basically the corner of the of the uh, 18th green. And then yep. you see all the old Tom Morris nice. golf club pro shops. And nice. You know they've been there for 350 years. <laughs> and then you get down there and you see the clubhouse. Just sensational. But without a doubt, the greatest roll-up in golf. Yeah. If you're lucky enough to go down this lane, you know you're a superstar or you know it's going to be an awesome day that not many get to do. Yep. If you trip down Magnolia Drive. That's it. I don't know. At Augusta National. <laughs> that would be it. I've never done it. Yep. But I'm still going to. I've peered down there yeah. a number of times. <laughs> That is the greatest. Even though, like Washington Road, you know Washington Road, it, the golf course is on. You turn off Washington Ro- Road into Magnolia Drive. Yep. Washington Road is like the Nepean Highway <laughs> down here in Melbourne. Yeah. Like just the busy. It's like it's a three lane either side, and just oh mate, ridiculous. But if you get to turn left down Magnolia Lane, nice. A big tick. Beautiful. Nice list, Marco. We're doing our other nice list next. List. We might take a break. What's yeah. the next list? What are you going to go with? Best clubhouses. Best clubhouses. Yeah, there's one. There's one. 
that you won't believe fits in there. Really? But once I explain why, okay. you'll get it. All right. Break. Marco's best clubhouses. Next. Stick around. In your life have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Welcome back. It is The Clubhouse. Mark Allen and Julian Bayard with you as we talk all things golf. Marco's just done his top five drive-in roll-up uh, experiences when you roll up to a golf course. Yeah, just the, the roll-up. And now he's got his, what, how many? Five, top five. Top five again. Clubhouses in the world yep. of golf. Great clubhouses. Yes. And it's all for different reasons. Mm-hmm. All for different reasons. And there might be a few of the same from the roll-ups. But the clubhouse, regardless, you know, we've got a golf course down here built by Tom Doak. Yes. Called St. Andrews Beach. Mm-hmm. It's without doubt one of the great golf courses that we have in the country. That's right. But it doesn't have a clubhouse. It's got a little tin shed. <laughs> so the clubhouse is so important for what we do. Yep. You know, it's it's part of the experience. It now, is. St. Andrews Beach, it's still a top 10 venue. And it's public access. And you've got to get down and play. But if it had a clubhouse of note, St. Andrews Beach would go into the top three in the country. Yep. It needs it. So whoever runs it, and they're good, very good friends of ours. Just quickly, we love the, it. What's the backstory there, Marco, as to why there isn't a clubhouse? A lot of the people probably play there and go, "What's this well, all about?" There was originally supposed to be two Tom Dyke courses there. In fact, there was going to be three. He was going to model it on the Royal Melbourne model, to where let's just say you had an East course and a West course, and he built and modelled in a composite course around the clubhouse. Now, the way he was going to do it is the course that's there. It's a very friendly golf course. Mm-hmm. The other course was going to be the same, a very member-friendly golf course. But the way he constructed it, that it was going to be a real bear of a golf course. You know, some of the par fives were going to be changed to par fours. Right. It was going to be a, and you can still see the plan when you go into the clubhouse that's there at the moment. You've got to look for it. It's up. There's a picture of it up on the wall, and there is actually three cards of how the golf was going to play. So originally they had memberships there. They had to sell the memberships to. And once they were selling the memberships, they were going to build the golf course. Didn't work out that way. Uh, not enough members joined. And they never built the second course, which is a travesty because Tom Doak, who I interviewed uh, a long time ago, told me that the second course was going to be the best course. Then they tried to get the second course up and going not long ago, and that fell through as well. Yep. So they didn't quite get the memberships for that one also. So there is an all-world golf course just sitting there waiting to be built that probably will never be built. It's a real shame. It's a real shame. But the one that's there at the moment, yes, Tom Doak is the Tiger Woods of golf course architects Uh in the world. If you haven't played it, make sure you get down and play it. Fortunately, there's no clubhouse, but what's there is okay. Yeah, What's there is okay. Um, Right, so the best clubhouses and clubhouse experience in the world. Number five, Augusta National. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you get in there. Yep. I stole, I got in there, I've been in there twice, stole a menu once because the menu was so crap. I couldn't believe it. I wanted to show people. It was like hamburgers and fries, just garbage, cheese fries. Yeah. You know, nothing that we're accustomed to if you get into a Royal yeah. Melbourne or Kingston Heath or Royal Sydney, just crap. Yeah. But if you get in there, it's a special day. That's right. So Augusta National makes it. At number four. Number four. This is the controversial one. Ooh. Box Hill Golf Club. Box Hill Golf Club? Now, the, the reason... Top, the fourth best clubhouse in the world. Experience. What? Golf clubhouse experience. Now, Box Hill gets in there because the Whitehorse Shire is a dry shire. But the only place you can get a beer oh. is at the Box Hill Golf Course. Oh, hang on a second. And because of that, when you go down on a Friday afternoon 
and the community is there and there's this beautiful six toll right in front of you. Everyone stands around. There is a group of gentlemen who take this one table and chair every week. That is known as the table of knowledge. <laughs> if you're lucky enough to get on the table of knowledge, you, sol- you solve the world's problems. Yeah. But just where Box Hill is, it's a great community course. I do want to leave these, this type of thing out. Mm. And for whatever reason, Jules, the beer coming out of the taps oh. at Box Hill Golf Club, there is nothing better in this world. <laughs> so the beer and the community aspect of one of the great clubs in the world mm-hmm. makes it to number four. Then that's a that's an extraordinary entrance. It's higher than Augusta. Oh. Think about that. And the other thing is it's got a little TAB machine in there and oh. you can sit there <laughs> and you can put your quad in after your round of golf. How many golf clubs that's, have that, that Jules? Is, that is a good point. So it's a community place. The beer tastes great. You overlook this beautiful hole, probably the best hole on the golf course. Yeah. And you can put a quaddy on anytime you like. Great place. Number three, Royal Sydney. Oh, best ever. <laughs> one of the greats ever. <laughs> one of the great clubhouses. <laughs> and one of the great and one of the most magnificent clubs so that me, we have in the country. Let me get this straight. You've gone Augusta National. Yes. Box Hill. I told you why, though. Royal Sydney. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Uh, number two, you play there on Sunday. Royal Melbourne. Mm-hmm. It's just a beautiful place. It's got its own little museum in there when you walk past and you yep. see clubs of old to clubs now and what they used to look like. If you get upstairs, they've got the magnificent snooker tables, which uh-huh. are just so cool. Yep. They're so good. You know what? The balcony's unreal. You know what I used on Sunday? What? The telephone room. I was so oh, scared of using my mobile. <laughs> I went into the telephone room to make a phone, quick phone call after the round. It's only about 15 <laughs> or 20 years old. I think they built it. Oh, they might have built it for the first President's Cup. So what does that make it? 20 years old. Yep. 1997. It, it is a great experience. And you know what they did to make the course look old? When they first built it and the tiles looked a little bit shiny and new, mm-hmm. they threw, uh, what do you call it? It's a yogurt all over. Oh. All over the roof and it molded up. Really? So the molded <laughs> look on top is due to yogurt. It yeah. looks like it's been there for 100 years. Perfect position. Great joint. But number one. Yep. The greatest clubhouse and clubhouse experience in the whole world. In again, in my view, Pebble Beach. Nice, magnificent. You walk yes. through, you, you you're treated and regarded as royalty for the time that you stay there. And mm-hmm. it's a 15 mile drive, I think it is. It's either 13 mile drive or 15 mile drive. Um, you finish your round and you sit in front of these fire pits and drink cold Coronas. Nice. And they bring out the blankies for you and you just sit there and you watch what is going on on the last. It's magnificent. The breakfast is sensational. All the trophy rooms, unbelievable. History dripping off the walls. Yep. And one of the greatest clubhouse experiences you'll ever have. Nice. Good lists, Marco. Thank Good you, lists. Sir. It's Box Hill Golf Club. Whoa, you must be on the payroll there, I reckon. No, I don't know what you're talking about. That I'm bit. telling you, it's one of the great clubhouse experiences you'll ever, ever, ever see. Do we have to declare that? <laughs> Not at this stage. Not at this stage. We've got a masterclass coming we do. up. Stick around. Marco will finish the show with a free golf lesson. Marco's masterclass up next. Marco's Masterclass. Yeah, it's time to get a free golf lesson from Mark Allen. And we do it all when we welcome back mm. a club at Mandalay Golf Club to the clubhouse who's looking after Marco's mm. Masterclass for the uh, the rest of season uh, 2017. You can visit clubmandalay.com.au and play golf for two people, including a motorized cart with a drink 
79 bucks at Club Mandalay. Magnificent. How good is that? Yep. That is sensational. That might make a list next year. Right. I think it might make a list. <laughs> uh, now, on the back of Firestone Country Club, mm-hmm. and we spoke about Jose Maria Lathabel using the 42-inch driving iron a long time, a fairway finder. Mm. Everybody needs a fairway finder in their golf club, in their golf bag, in their arsenal. Now, I think, you know, if, if you've got a high club head speed, that's one thing. That's great. You know, get the, get the driving iron. Get the hybrid. But if you don't... The short three wood should be your fairway finder. And I think the short three wood is very hittable off the deck as well. Mm-hmm. So for most people these days who are weekend warriors, and let's say you only hit a drive, when I say only, well, let's say you hit your drive on the fly 200 metres. Yep. Your club head speed doesn't warrant having like a three iron and a two iron. And you probably need to hit driver a lot. You probably do. But the fairway finder, a club that goes low, that's easy to hit and short enough so it's easy to control. It's a must for everybody. Mm-hmm. So every pro, Jose Maria Lathabel that year, he had his fairway finding driving iron. If you're playing a tight golf course, and for whatever reason, there are so many in this country. If you're playing a really tight course weekend, week out, Sandringham, we spoke about that, is a very tight it course. Is. You need the short fairway wood. It's easy to do. If you go into your pro shop and say, listen... I want to make this club a little bit shorter and I need it weighted up at the other the, the pro will know what he's doing. You know, you, you might be lucky enough where you've got weights in the old three wood or you've got a place where we can just put uh, a little bit of lead tape. Or you might have to, you know, for, for your birthday or Christmas is coming up or whatever, Father's Day not too far away, put the order in for a 42-inch three wood yep. or four wood. It becomes your fairway finder because, you know, we all hit the driver and we love hitting the driver, but just to get that, Really tight hole that irks you, the one where you you just don't seem to be able to hit that fairway, and if you hit your iron, you're just too far away. The short fairway finding three wood is a go. I've had one in my bag since I was 20 years old, and I always go to it. It's one of my favourite mm-hmm. favourite things to do, and I haven't missed a fairway with that fairway finding three wood since I was 20 years old. Get one in the yeah. bag. Hang on, you haven't missed a fairway That's right. with your three wood That's since right. you were 20 years old. That's right. Never. <laughs> Never missed it. That's nearly as crazy as Box Hill coming in at number four in your best clubhouse. Get a fairway finder. Get a fairway finder in your bag. It's very, very important. That club you can just go to. You know it's there. And if you've got one of the, if you've bought a three wood in the last ten years, they're way too long. Pros don't use three woods that long. We don't. Get the fairway finder. Forty-two inches. Forty-two and a half inches at the absolute most. Get the fairway finder in your, in your in your arsenal. That's Marco's masterclass for Club Mandalay Golf Course. Play golf at Club Mandalay. It's golf in Melbourne's north. Marco, thank you for today. Good on you, Jules. Controversial list. We'll That's get right. some feedback on that. I'm going to go down the Box Hill Golf Club and have a I'm beer right sure now. You will, and I'm sure you won't pay for it. I'll see you later. <laughs> Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.